This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management show for the Memorial Day weekend. I'm Dave Spano, CEO of Annex Wealth Management, and of course joined in the studio for our weekend review by Derek Felsky, Chief Investment Officer. Hello, Derek. Hi, Dave. There is so much to talk about. You know, a lot of negative news floating around out there. Of course, the debt ceiling, what the Fed is going to do, economics. But I'd like to start with some positive news, if you don't mind. First of all, please enjoy a safe and happy Memorial Day weekend. But as importantly for the financial services industry, we had earnings season and we ended with an absolute blowout of a report by NVIDIA, one of the best reports we have seen in a long time. Right. Well, before I joined you, David Annex, I was a a semiconductor analyst. I managed a tech fund and a mutual fund. And frankly, I have never seen a report like that where basically analysts were thinking they would do 7.2 billion in sales in the quarter. And they actually came in at 11 billion. This again, reinforces the importance of artificial intelligence, not just on how it affects semiconductor companies, but how it affects the future profitability of every company. And you think about what the stock did, of course, up something like 20% this week alone. If you did have that position, it's certainly worth taking a look at because, of course, trees don't grow to the sky. But you know, you talk about AI, for example, and what that can do. And there's so many companies that are part of this now. And you think about some of the strategies that companies will employ, it could change their earnings outlook. No, I actually think it saved the market. In fact, NVIDIA despite the the 20% advance you just mentioned, is actually cheaper now than it was when it reported because the estimates have gone up 75%. Yes, right. So let's talk about, for example, earnings and valuations because, you know, there really is this dichotomy of those that have and those that do not have in their earnings world. So we often talk about the top number of stocks that really have driven the valuation, but I think people have to look under the hood. Well, that's right. And, And when you think about it, those top 10, names are all very well positioned companies. They earn great pre-cash flow. Some of them pay dividends. They're good companies. And frankly, what I hear on the TV all the time is people bemoaning the fact they don't own those stocks. Because again, it's what you own, not what you don't own that matters. But when you think about the, the larger S&P, the other 490 names, they're trading at about 15 times earnings. So that's not an absurd valuation. So my expectation is this rally will broaden over time. And so let's think about some of the risks that are out there. You cannot get away from the conversation about the debt ceiling coming together or not coming together. And it certainly looks like there's a framework in place. But this X date, the date that, of course, that the Treasury runs out of money, probably could be June 1st, give or take a couple of days. And there is a lot of things that are going in there. But the debt ceiling is very likely to be lifted through 2024 with spending caps. And I think that's an interesting idea. It's just not raise the amount of money, but cap it out. And I think that's a digestible idea. And we've often talked about this, the political shenanigans that go on in Washington, because essentially nobody has an incentive to cut spending because spending gets you votes, both sides. But what we're trying to do finally is see some rationalization there, which is one of the reasons why we've seen the dollar weaken and the rest, because people at some level are starting to lose faith in our in our politicians. And fortunately, this deal pushes us towards a better circumstance. And so you think about some of the things that are in there, and I thought there was some really creative ideas in there. Of course, a big part of the spending was this $80 billion that was allocated 
allocated to the IRS through the Inflation Reduction Act, and of course, air quotes for radio right now. But you talk about some ideas of redirecting some of that $80 billion that both sides at least were talking about. For example, you reduce the amount of money that goes to the IRS, but you increase some of the Democratic ideas, like, for example, the National Institute of Health. So I thought that was a creative idea that could come out. But of course, that is really what is driving a lot of the consternation and the Treasury market. And I do want you to talk about what has happened with Treasury yields as of late. Well, Treasury yields have have started to rise recently, partly because inflation is persistent, but also because obviously when they pass the debt ceiling deal, uh, there's going to have to issue a lot of Treasuries to basically replenish the Treasury's coffers as well as fund the government. As we've mentioned any number of times, one third of U.S. Treasury debt is going to mature in the next three years. You would think that would put upward pressure on interest rates. And of course, we have a lot coming up. We're going to talk about what the Federal Reserve could do with the rest of the season. And that, of course, you know, that's raising interest rates and what that means to your bottom line. By the way, our Week in Review is always available on demand. It'll be on Spotify at the top of the hour in our Axiom newsletter or wherever you get your podcasts. But I'm going to take a quick break here, folks, but we'll be right back. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. We're back. I'm Dave Spano, President and CEO of Annex Wealth Management, along with Derek Felsky, our Chief Investment Officer. And folks, it's always funny to talk about what we talk about during the commercial break. And of course, we were talking about NVIDIA and everything that has happened with that stock as of late. But there's a lot of stuff happening that we do want to talk about. And maybe it's not the equities, but the fact that cash is not trash anymore. No, it's it really isn't. If you think about the long-term expectations for stock market returns, you get about a 9% number, which is roughly, you know, 5% ahead of inflation. And that's been true for years. But right now you can get about 5% in a T-bill with a three or six month duration. So you get more than half the return with no risk. So uh, what I would say is a little uncomfortable with the headlines, perhaps worried about China invading Taiwan or whatever else it is. You can take a little bit of money off your equity exposure and buy a T-bill and, and wait it out. And let's talk about how we got there in the first place. Of course, we all know the backstory that inflation got out of control, and the Federal Reserve had to raise interest rates to purposely slow down the economy, especially the housing market, which is the most volatile part of that calculation, and they have done that. There's no question they've slowed that down. Mortgage rates ticked up over 7% for a nanosecond, but as importantly, short-term interest rates went up. Now, the Federal Reserve did this because they had to slow things down. But there are winners and there are losers in this space, Derek. And now the Federal Reserve has to make a choice of what they're going to do going forward. And if you believe some of the prognosticators, they think interest rates are actually going to come down at the second half of the year. Well, that that was the expectation. That's changed fairly dramatically in the last week or so. Now there's a 60% probability the Fed might hike by 25 basis points in June. But again, that's data dependent. And we know that the comps on inflation for the next couple of months are relatively easy. And by that, I I mean, last year, inflation was running really hot. So this year, it's going to look a little better. But then it's going to reaccelerate in the summer months, in August in particular. And oil prices, too, they're a wild card. Gasoline prices are down 23% year on year. OPEC meets on June 4th. The Saudis need $80 oil. And our strategic petroleum reserve has been dwindled down. My get my bet is 
oil prices will move higher throughout the balance of the year. That will, again, make the Fed's job more complicated, but such such is life. Well, and it's a big deal. You know, the old saying of you can't fight the Fed still exists, but, you know, these interest rates that were at zero, a lot of folks have said maybe that is, you know, something that we won't see again. But if you do believe that the Fed overshot in other words, they raised interest rates so fast and so aggressively that they're really going to slow things down in, in the end of this year and in the beginning of 2024. They may be in a predicament where they're going to have to change interest rates and get back down. That is something that we're going to watch. But what people keep forgetting, the Fed is not just raising rates. They're also doing QT, quantitative tightening. They're removing liquidity for the, for the, from the system. And as I mentioned earlier, a debt ceiling deal will also do the same thing. That's why in terms of the equity markets, you have to have a, a balanced approach. Yes, if we rally 5%, I think you'll lighten up a little bit. If we go down 5%, then you have dry powder to buy it. I mean, it's just, it's portfolio management, simple. It's risk management as well. And you talk about risk management, of course, folks, and you think about one of the things that you can do, and one of them, of course, is not overweighting, you know, the thing that I was talking about during the break is an overweighted position in a particular stock. Well, that is not a risk management tool that we would uh, encourage people to do, but that happens in portfolios. You need to go through your portfolio and make sure you know what you own, why you own it, and how much you're paying for it. And every single day, we have people come in and show us their statements, and we uh, we make suggestions about what they should do with their portfolio. That is one of the possibilities that you could look at when you come in and work with Annex Wealth Management. But Derek, there are other defensive positions and postures that people can take. Right. Well, I don't believe in diversification. In other words, people think that you know the more stocks they own, the more diversified they are. Diversification. Diversification. Well, Peter Lynch coined that phrase a yeah. long time ago in, in in One Up on Wall Street, and then there are just simple truths. You know, you're buying businesses, you're not buying stocks. And if it's a good business, you let it run because over time they'll generate cash flows, they'll grow their earnings, they'll hire more people, they'll destroy their competitors. And that's a good thing to be in. So you don't want to buy garbage. You don't want to buy stocks just because they're cheap. You want to buy stocks that have a catalyst, a good management team, and frankly, a company where the insiders own a lot of shares. And you look at a lot of this information, folks, and we go through every one of our holdings. Uh, We've got a great team in our investment portfolio team, and they really go through every one of these. They listen to the earnings calls. They do the work. So if you're interested in employing us, you can go to AnnexWealth.com and hit the Get Started button. By the way, transition of business is a complicated process, but it's something our team is equipped to handle. What are the concerns when this time comes? We're going to dig into that right after the break. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management. Blood, sweat, tears, the ingredients to build a business. What happens when it's time to retire and transition away? Somebody uniquely equipped to discuss this, Brandon Lehman, Director of Annex, Private Client at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome back. Danny. So there's a top concern for business owners. Actually, there's a couple. What happens to the employees? Can I maximize the value of the business at the time of the sale? And can I make this thrive for generations to come? There's challenges that we've seen at Annex, and we've worked hand-in-hand with business owners to guide toward a favorable conclusion. Brandon, let's start with family transitions. Typically, a third-generation family transition, it's something we don't see as much anymore. Correct. I mean, the old adage you've heard is that transitioning to third generation is just the most difficult that doesn't happen. And that can be for a whole host of reasons we've seen historically is it's that generation now three removed from the start isn't as interested in the business. They don't want to focus on it like their grandparents did and their their parents did. They want to do something different. And as somebody who is 
now fourth generation access to a family business. I'm not there either. It's definitely something you see as you get down the generational line. They just don't want to be there. Business transitions, talking about the challenges. Here's one, economic slowdown. It could dent the business values before retirement can happen. It could. And you're starting to see that a little bit now. So if we look back at 2021, probably in my career, the most active business transition I've ever seen. Move on from last year and the rising interest rates and all the changes and now potential for a recession on the horizon. A lot of this is dialed back. Part of that has to do with the rates rising. There's no more free money, air quotes, from the Fed. There's a lot of things going on, specifically talks of recession are making this dialed back more now. We've talked about this for all of our clients. Do business owners struggle with life after work? I think that's one of the biggest struggles we've encountered. And it's because they've poured their heart and soul into this business for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. We had a meeting this morning with somebody, 40 years they worked on this business and now they've moved out of it. Now, good thing for them, they're back doing some consulting so they feel involved in it. But that's the hardest thing you see is you need to retire to something not from something. Sometimes we see small partnerships that own a business that presents a unique ownership transition challenge. Well, it does. So first of that, you start to think about, okay, if we're partnerships and we have an age gap, well, maybe one wants to leave and one doesn't. How do you pay for that? How do you do that? But then the other side of it is, well, one business owner might value it at X and another might value it at Y. How do you come to an agreement on that to make a sale to achieve those goals? Not only is it difficult when your business partner Imagine being family sometimes and having huge age gaps or goals for the business that you have for the next generation and your siblings or your partners don't share the same. It can get a little complicated when you look at the partnership side of it. I'm going to guess it sure would help to have a formal succession plan. Are they hard to come by? Are they difficult to do? I wouldn't say they're difficult to do. There's a lot of work, right? There's a lot of effort, a lot of thought process that has to go into these things. But it is definitely a number one concern of how do you build the right business plan. So there's a survey out there, and most business owners value comprehensive reporting and planning from financial advisors who, and this is key, can act as their personal CFO in creating a proactive plan and executing financial strategies. It's important because there's a lot of moving parts here. Again, as I explained to the folks earlier today, they've poured their heart and soul into this. They know that business really well. Now let us help them. We're with Brandon Lehman, director of Annex Private Client, speaking about business owners stepping away and into retirement and the factors they need to deal with. How about next generation leaders getting funding for this? Do they lack capital for a buyout or do they have difficulty with it? They definitely have difficulty with it. Not all necessarily lack the funding, but to come up with cold, hard cash, right, to buy somebody out. It's not easy, especially if you're younger. Let's say you're in your late 30s or even early 40s, just getting that cold, hard capital to do that. Wasn't so hard maybe three years ago when lending rates were much better, when you could get much better interest rates, but now it's definitely becoming difficult. It's working with those business owners and consultants and accountants and attorneys as well to come up with a plan to transition this efficiently, effectively, and most importantly, that it's a good deal for everybody around. One of the biggest things we've seen is phantom equity arrangements are a big part of what is potentially being floated out there to help with these succession plans. How about the buzzsaw of taxes? I mean, that's a whole nother discussion in and of itself. But really, when you look at it, understanding, is it a goodwill sale? Is it an asset sale? What is the breakdown? How do we do it? That's just something we dive really deep in the weeds to help them 
understand all the minutiae that goes into this type of situation. Business transitions, the difficulties, the challenges. I like this because this tells you that the owners have heart. How about concerns for long-term customers and employees? Well, that's the biggest part I think that I've encountered personally in my career is these folks have poured their heart and soul, as I said earlier, for tens of years, 20, 30, 40 years, and they've built a reputation. They've built a customer base that relies on them, relies on their employees. And these employees have looked to these folks to supply them with their livelihoods for an extended period of time. Again, looking at my situation, there are people that have worked for my family for 40 years. So that's a long time. So there's a lot of concern on how do you take care of them? And it really gnaws at them. Am I making the right decision? Is this not just best for me, but best for my employees and best for my customers? How does Annex help in something like this? The way we work with these folks is we sit down and we start to analyze all of it. We bring in all of their team members. So the accountants, the attorneys, the advisors in terms of the sale, start to have discussions. So we look at it from a personal standpoint, from a business standpoint, we tie it all together. We try and be that quarterback of the entire situation to help them. Brandon Lehman, Director of Annex Private Client. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Danny. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. Let's get caught up and head to the WTMJ Breaking News Center. Time for Ask Annex. Got a question for us? You head to the website, AnnexWealth.com. Look for the Ask button. If we can help, you always click that Get Started button. Sarah Kyle's in the studio. She's a wealth manager at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome. Hi, Danny. And we got Trevor Nargis, senior trader. Welcome to you. Hey, Danny. First question is anonymous. I have no idea how to invest in T-bills or other type of fixed income. Is this something Annex will do on behalf of a client? So I would start off by saying, don't worry. It's okay if you don't know. But this can actually be done quite easily through many of the major custodians that are out there. Some platforms have a separate area within their software dedicated to fixed income trading where one can look to invest in things like treasuries, CDs, corporate bonds, et cetera, et cetera. But to give you a short and sweet answer to the second part of your question, yes, this is something that our investment team and our traders do proactively on behalf of Annex clients. Okay, our next two questions are actually graduation related, so we'll take the first one. My son just graduated from college and is already employed. His company 401k matches 6%. Should he contribute above the match or put the money somewhere else? He has an HSA option as well. He believes he can put away a total of 15% of his salary. Well, that's great. Congrats to uh, your son for graduating and having a job. What a nice thing to have coming out of college. But anyway, I would suggest for sure taking advantage of that match and contributing enough to get that match, but it's also important to have that diversified savings strategy, and it's a good idea to build up that emergency fund. So he should set aside a portion of his income to build up at least three to six months worth of living expenses. I would also recommend contributing to that HSA and maxing that out if he can. As you know, that's one of my favorite savings vehicles. It's also a good idea to start an individual brokerage account and have that discipline strategy to contribute a certain amount every month. You know, that's more of a taxable account. That's money you can access now, and it'll give him some flexibility later on for spending. And if he has extra money at the end of the year, he can always contribute to a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA, depending on his income. Next graduation question, planning ahead. We have two grandchildren graduating from college next spring. We'd like to give them money, but believe there should be stipulations. Is that possible? We want to give them a head start, but want to avoid frivolous spending on their part. Well, that is a very nice thing to do for your grandchildren, for sure. I guess if you want to give them stipulations, that would probably just have to be an agreement with them, unless you wanted to set up some sort of trust, but I don't know if you want to go to that expense. You know, you can offer to contribute to their IRAs or their Roth IRAs or do a match 
match for them, but that's money that they wouldn't access for a while. You could also help them out with rent. But number one is education. It's really important to teach them how to save and how to invest, show them the power of compounding. You know, I think one of the nicest things you could do is really open up a brokerage account for them and buy some stocks or start having them contribute to it as well and buy the stocks that maybe of companies they're interested in and get them involved early on investing and encourage them to start contributing to it. It's Ask Annex. Next question. My wife and I are moving to another city for work. We're planning on renting for 12 months to get a lay of the land and see if we like it. We're selling our current home and should net $150,000. Where can we park that money that has enough liquidity that if we find something, we can access it for a down payment. Yeah, there's a couple different ways that this can be done, but one really popular approach to cash management right now in an effort to capture some additional yield above what you might get in a traditional bank account would be money market mutual funds. When I say money market mutual funds, there's a couple different types of these, right? Many major custodians have them, but there's prime money market funds, there's government and treasury money market funds, and there's also municipal money market funds. Really, it's just a matter of what those funds invest in as far as their underlying assets. So things like prime money market funds tend to pay a little bit higher rate than what you see on some standard kind of broader scale money market funds. Prime funds tend to invest in high quality short-term securities that are issued by things like U.S. and foreign entities, commercial paper, maybe treasuries, things like that. Whereas government and treasury money market funds tend to invest in short-term U.S. government securities. So what people like about money markets in addressing the liquidity part of your question, one, they're able to earn some excess yield above what they see in the bank, but these funds are pretty liquid. If you sell, those funds are typically available the next business day. So while you're getting an attractive yield on those funds, it also keeps things fairly liquid for you so that if you need to pull that trigger and you find something that you like, you can go ahead and make a move. And our final question on Ask Annex is from Kim. I watched a favorite stock of mine take a 40% downturn in the last three months. It's not so much a favorite anymore, but I have a hard time letting it go. How do I determine if it's past saving? At this point, do I just harvest losses? Kim, I applaud you for reaching out because people like to talk about their winners. No one really likes to talk about their losers. So I think there's a little more to this question, though. You know, stock prices tend to fluctuate and a 40% drawdown can be really hard to deal with. And when you see this kind of multiple contraction in a stock, it's important to revisit fundamentals and see if anything has materially changed with regard to how the underlying business operates. So it's important to look at the balance sheet, cash flows, and if the business is executing on its mission. There's been significant multiple contraction across many any high growth names. Focus on the fundamentals. And if you're not comfortable with fundamentals, then reevaluate if it's worth holding. Kind of a trader tip is you should have a stop loss when you are investing in stocks. Typically, you shouldn't let a stock go down 40% on you. You know, after you buy a stock, you could easily put a stop loss limit in there, which means you indicate a limit where it will trigger a sell automatically. But now that you're down 40%, you really need to make 67% to get back to even. Like Trevor said, you have to um, do an analysis on is there opportunity? Why was that stock high to begin with? Is it just coming down now because it came back down to earth? Because it was high and inflated just for no reason? So you really have to evaluate it. And in the future, I would highly recommend doing a stop loss. Sarah Kyle, Wealth Manager, thank you. You're welcome, Danny. Trevor Narja, Senior Trader, thank you. Hey, thank you. 401ks are powerful tools, and for many, the largest source of retirement savings. Ten things you need to know after a break. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, 620 WTMJ. 
Know the difference with Annex Wealth Management, joined by Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services, Annex Wealth Management. Welcome back. Good to be here, Danny. Saw a magazine article titled, 401k plans, 10 things you should know. Subhead was, when it comes to 401k plans, it's your money, but your boss and the government make the rules. 401ks are the most popular retirement account in the United States. One third of workers had a 401k style account in 2020, about double the number of IRA accounts and triple those with pensions. We're going to run these 10 things by you, Tom. Check your reaction. The first is there are rules for 401k plans. Danny, there there are so many rules, Danny, in these plans. So keep in mind that um, 401k plans are governed by the Department of Labor. The Internal Revenue Service is also very much involved in this. So there are thousands of pages of rules associated with retirement plans. So when you hear about things that retirement plans can or cannot do, you might be hearing about what's legal, but then you get into a question of, like you said, the uh, government and your employer make the rules. So there's a question of which rules do they adopt for that specific plan. So it's very difficult to talk about this broadly because there are so many rules. Number two, early retirees can start withdrawals at age 55. Good, fine, right? Depends on a number of conditions. So you have to be retired from the job that was in question. But yes, it gives you an opportunity to access that money at age 55 when the situation is permissible. Number three, taxes depend on the type of 401k. Taxes depend on all sorts of stuff, Danny. But I think what they're talking about here is Roth versus pre-tax. And that's one thing that I think most people are starting to get a better feeling for. Most plans now do offer Roth. The one catch that we often have people get confused on, the income limitations on Roth contributions do not apply in 401k plans. So just keep that in mind. But yeah, it depends on whether you're doing pre-tax or Roth. Either way, you're getting a tax benefit. 401k plans, 10 things you should know. Number four, if your employer goes bankrupt, the funds could be frozen. This one was a little, when I read that, I was like, wait a minute, what are they talking about here? Um, And that's just a question. The funds are held separate in a trust. So you don't need to worry. Your funds are not in jeopardy, which is kind of what I read when I saw that that headline. But what they're meaning is with the dissolution of a company, they might hold off on distributing the retirement money, but it would still be in your account and still be getting invested. So don't freak out about that one. Yeah, that's much better. Number five, your employer sets the investment options. Yes. With most retirement plans, there's a broad spectrum of investments from which to choose. We actually play a, a very key role in this as well when we're acting as an investment fiduciary. So we make the menu, but then you get to choose how you're going to allocate your money among that that menu of investments. And usually it's a pretty broad spectrum of stuff. So it sounds limiting, but it's really not a bad thing. Number six, moving to an IRA has become easier. Well, with technology, you would think it's easier. Legislatively, they're trying to make it easier. That is, I think, an accurate statement, although people might not always feel like that's the case when they're having to move it from one place to the other, but I digress. 401k plans, 10 things you should know. Number seven, you can consolidate multiple 401k plans. You probably want to, right? We usually tell people when you're leaving your employer, don't leave the money there. Bring it with you, whether that's rolling it into an IRA or rolling it into your new employer's plan. Your new employer's plan might have some restrictions on that, but for sure you can consolidate them into IRAs most of the time. I always have to be careful about saying for sure, but yeah, generally speaking, good idea and easy to do. Number eight, some plans allow loans in retirement. That's a surprise, Danny, because generally speaking, that is not something, you know, the way loans are paid back in 401k plans is very complicated. I tend to tell people to avoid taking loans from their 401k plan. Certainly, if you plan on paying that thing into retirement, I have not seen many plans that offer this, so don't count on it. Okay. Yeah, I hadn't heard much of that either. Number nine, RMDs apply, but rules are changing, and this is really in flux, isn't it? it yeah. For the longest time, it was 70 and a half. That's when required minimum distributions, you had to start taking them. Then Secure Act changed it to 72, then Secure Act 2.0 
brought in the age 73, just understand that at some point in your 70s, when you're retired, you're going to have to start taking money out, whether you want to or not. At that point in time, hopefully you're working with an advisor and they're walking you through all that stuff. 401k plans, 10 things you should know. Number 10, incorrect beneficiary listings create headaches. How many times have we heard this story? Well, you know, I guess the good news is, Danny, it only creates headaches for the people who survived, not the person who improperly filled out the beneficiary (laughs) form. But yeah, please do keep an eye on that because it's just unnecessary headaches. It's easy enough these days to, to make sure that you're on top of your beneficiary form. And we've said it before, and we're going to say it again, benefits matter. How does the retirement plan services team at Annex Wealth Management provide that value for company owners or CFOs and HR professionals? Thankfully, we've got a big team, Danny, and it goes from helping employers understand their fiduciary responsibilities. We already talked a little bit about helping with the investment selection for those employers, but then helping the employees with their investment selection and financial planning takes a lot of people, and we're very fortunate to have a lot of those people here at Annex. You know, every time you see an opening posted, what do they say? 401k plan, right? It's very near the top of the list of benefits, if not at the top of most postings. For investment, retirement planning, tax planning, and estate planning as a fee-only fiduciary, know the difference. Our website, AnnexWealth.com. Click that Get Started button. Start that wealth metric process. Tom Parks, Director of Retirement Plan Services, Annex Wealth Management. Thanks for joining us. Look forward to talking to you again soon, Danny. It's Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show, Memorial Day weekend. We're going to take a break. We're going to be back with more on 620 WTMJ. Back on Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show. Reminder, this show is going to be on Spotify and Apple Podcasts at the top of the hour. If you came in partway through or if you'd like to listen to it again as a podcast, that would be great. I'm Danny Clayton, now joined in the studio by Mark Beck, our Chief Growth Officer. Welcome. Thank you. Also, Tanya Sinha, Manager of Tax Planning and a CPA at Annex Wealth Management. Welcome to you. Thank you, Danny. Tanya, let's talk about tax planning season. And people are thinking, wait a minute, it's May, we're past tax season, but that's tax prep season, right? That's really from, I don't know, let's call it middle of February through April 15th through the tax deadline, which is right around there every single year. Tax planning season is different, however. Tax planning season is when we take last year's tax return and use it to help inform where we're headed. So we're going to do some things like multi-year projections. We're going to look at this year and opportunities and all of those kinds of things. And you know, listeners out there, if you're working with a wealth management firm, this is the time you take the tax return to them and say, okay, let's begin our tax planning forward-looking and see where we're headed from that perspective. And what I think is really critical to make that successful is open dialogue, of course, what's happening in your life, what are the things that might be changing. I think about this for people that have particular changes coming up. I don't know, it might be that there's a divorce, uh, maybe you lost a spouse. Those are areas, of course, that can be kind of very personal outcomes, but also can have some ramification in terms of your tax planning. So connecting those dots. Uh, another example would be people who maybe are going to change jobs. And changing jobs sometimes comes with ramifications, especially, for example, with executives that we work with who have particular types of executive compensation or characteristics within their 401k plans. So I want to talk about a few of those spaces. Uh, In particular, we could talk about someone who's maybe changing jobs or heading into retirement who's accumulated money inside their 401k and a big portion of it's invested within that employer's stock. So these are people who work for publicly traded companies, you know, where the stock is traded on the stock exchange, and they may have built up some of their wealth within their 401k in that company stock. And there's an opportunity that they need to explore right away if they're going to find themselves in a transition. 
I agree with you, Mark. There's a strategy for executives who are heavily invested in their company's stocks because they get all these stock options and they have to exercise them. And then all these stocks are they over time they appreciate and we all know overall general thinking is that anytime you invest in traditional 401k when you take it out it will be taxed at ordinary income but there is a strategy which is called NUA with which when clients come to us some of their income gets taxed to ordinary tax brackets but then we are able to diversify some of that tax bracket from ordinary to capital gains because there are some strategies and we have a team who works exclusively on any ways they have the talent and you know all the knowledge to work with this so yeah in general when if people does not use a wealth advisor they land up paying ordinary taxes on this built in appreciated stocks in in their 401k right right potentially leaving behind a big opportunity so nua net unrealized depreciation is the opportunity set that we're talking about here um, another area for executives, by the way, that we run into sometimes um, is deferred compensation plans. So when you get to a point where your employer gives you an opportunity to defer more of your income above your 401k limit, you sometimes have an executive deferred comp plan in place. And that opens up some opportunities there because it may have a payout structure where it's going to pay you in a single year or over a series of years, maybe like a five-year period. But you should be looking at the ramifications of those taxes and seeing if there are some strategies for that particular year that might help you limit that tax liability. Donor advised fund would be a quick example. Correct. And there is no one size fit all. You know, we will never say, okay, if you're getting diverse, uh, you know, deferred comp, you know, take it all in lump sum. It works for some people. It doesn't work for other people. So some sometimes we have to tell them, you know, hold off to that, you know, take it in installments. Tanya Sinha is Manager of Tax Planning and a CPA at Annex Wealth Management. Really glad to have you on the team. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me, Danny. And Mark Beck is our Chief Growth Officer. Thank you for jumping on. Appreciate it. Thank you. Folks, 2023 is another roller coaster, that's for sure. Can we get you set for the next six months, the next year, beyond? See what we can do for you. Just click that Get Started button at AnnexWealth.com. Stay safe and stay healthy, folks. And please remember, Memorial Day, a whole lot more than a regular holiday. It costs a lot. We'll see you next Saturday, 10 o'clock. This is Money Talk, the Annex Wealth Management Show on 620 WTMJ.